Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Neighborish Livecast. Welcome. I'm Super Dave, aka Mr. Incredible. And with me, as always, are two of my favorite people, starting with our feminine energy, the personal trainer and fitness guru, Miss Fru Fit herself, Patrice Jones. Good morning, good morning. How you doing? That's good. That's good. And DC's native son, hey. the SE3 representer, hey. the one and only Jason. What's up, sir? Morning. Morning, Look Dave. like you got to make a run for it real quick. You good? You need to. Well, uh, you never know, man. I got two kids in the other room. Uh, I might have to jump out every now and then. Okay. Understood. Understood. I know they're doing the distance learning thing, and that's always fun. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we have a great show for y'all today because. Our guest today is a young lady that I met a, a few years back on a, a, a music video shoot for an 80s fusion alternative rock group, I think it was. But anyway, the uh, the video actually uh, I don't think was ever released, but since then I've watched her uh, career flourish. She's had uh, recurring roles on the CBS daytime show The Investigators. She appeared in season six of the CMT show Nashville, along with a plethora of other commercials and modeling gigs. And she also shares her musical talents and videos across her social media pages. And, and as if that wasn't enough, uh, she also, I just found this out uh, in reading her, um, her bio, that she's also a medical technologist and clinical laboratory practitioner. Because she can't just be talented and beautiful, she also has to be brilliant. That's how that works. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, Elizabeth Gramling is with us. How are you? Welcome to the Neighbors Live. Thank you so much for having me. Now I'm so excited. No problem at all, man. I'm so glad that you were able to do this. I'm excited to talk to you about your journey through all the awesome things that you do. Uh, and we're going to get into that in a moment. But first, there's a lot of things going on in the city, in the country, in the world that we need to talk about. Oh, yeah, what's going on, Dave? And we're going to talk about it right now. So, of course, this past week was uh, Thanksgiving. Um, and even though I know, um, you know, uh, Jay doesn't really do the the holiday thing, um, I know you, 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 still, uh, you still grub, right? You still get a plate from a couple of places? Um, well, yeah, just like any other Thursday, yes. Okay. Well, I mean, everyone eats, but I'm saying, like, there's no special meals. There's no, nobody saves you some food or anything. Nah. Not really. They know and they respect the, the moves. I see. I saw uh, Patrice put up a video that had an interesting, uh, some, some crab mac and cheese in it. And, uh, uh, yeah, I wanted to find out about that. I heard that you made some for us, but you went ahead and ate it because uh, we weren't going to be together. Patrice is having some connection issues because she's uh, yeah, well, driving her vehicle. Can you hear me? Oh, I'm sorry. Can you hear me now? Yeah, we got you. We got you. What's up with this crab mac and cheese? Why you eat it? Oh. Why, you, why you ain't saving okay, it? Oil, um, oh, and nice. I use all my own cheese sauce, so it's um healthier versions. And people have been asking me for the recipe, 
Yeah, yeah, making crab mac and cheese. I can see it, man. You got your picture on the cover, and you just, you know, it'll be, yeah, that'll be dope, man. So definitely. But um, so um, Elizabeth, how was your Thanksgiving? Did you enjoy it? Did you have a good? Um, I was actually at work on Thanksgiving. Oh, but, don't do that yeah, anymore. Don't do that anymore. All right. <laughs> no, no, it was a good time. Like my okay. coworkers have become my family, so it's it's really great. Nice. And actually, one of our coworkers who was off brought us a Thanksgiving dinner, so that was fantastic. Nice. Her husband's an amazing chef. Oh wow, wow, nice! Yeah. So, had, uh... so we made the best of it. Great, great, yeah. So um, my family wound up doing like a virtual gathering. We did Zoom for Thanksgiving, so it was you know uh, even though you missed the you know clearly missed the intimacy of actually being you know physically in the same place. Uh, other than that, it was really. Um, you know, comparable. It was really, it really went well. We had a good time. Everybody talked. Everybody kind of made their own food, and we sat around and ate our meals together. And then had the, you know, the conversations that we have and things like that. So it really worked out pretty good. You know, so it, it was an enjoyable, you know, gathering of family. And uh, yeah, I'm thankful for it. So, uh, but I, I did want to talk a little bit about like um, uh, with this new thing like even like what we're doing now we're usually in the studio but we're doing the zoom thing based on uh you know the current times and things that are going on right now and um since uh you know a lot of the shutdowns begun and have now started to be reinstated and since the coronavirus uh really started to affect people's lives there's been like a push to try to get to get back to quote unquote normal and I, and I saw a commercial over the weekend. I think it was for like a, a healthcare or something. But anyway, it, it presented an interesting point um, about uh, preparing for the the eventuality that there's a possibility that there won't be a back to normal, quote unquote, that this is the new normal and that we kind of, you know, um, need to adjust and prepare to, to deal with things as they are now. And it brought to mind a quote that Jay had brought up a couple of shows ago that um, Bruce Lee quote, about being like water and, and being, you know, um, more malleable. And uh, like he talked about how if you pour water into a cup, it becomes the cup. If you pour water into a vase, it becomes the vase. And um, uh, that doesn't, you know, in any way lend itself to weakness because water can flow, but it can also crash. So, and that was the, basically the, uh, the quote. And just, um, you know, trying to be more accepting and also to embrace, you know, change. That's definitely a hard concept for some people to, to kind of uh, wrap their minds around. It's, sometimes it could be even scary to some people. But I wanted to talk a little bit about how you guys have, you know, um, kind of embraced this new time that we're living in, you know, and uh, worked on like making changes in your lives. Like, what's the biggest change you made, and and uh, how have you worked to embrace it? So I'm gonna start with our guest, Elizabeth. Like, uh, what's the biggest difference from, you know, before to now, like uh, with all the COVID stuff going on? So before COVID even started, I had a couple commercials we shot at the beginning of the year and it was fantastic. It was just like I'm normally used to being on set, but it kind of halted because COVID did take over. So productions got delayed. Um, the first commercial I shot in the middle of COVID was in June. And it was a whole different world, mainly because like they had social distancing. Um, there were sanitizer stations everywhere. Um, people were wearing masks. Like everything was so separate. Like even the hair and makeup artists, they used all like these disposable products on us. And it was just, 
it was crazy because like I had never seen anything like that. Wow. But I mean, since that in June, like I've done a couple other commercials throughout the year, and you know, you kind of just get used to it. Right. Like you get used to the whole protocol, the procedures that are being done, and it's just it's like another day because like you go in, you go um, do the shoot, you go in with smiling faces, love energy, and then you walk out and you still have that same connection with everyone, even though you have masks on, even though you have to sanitize your hands and like kind of remain distant. Right. Yeah. It's still nice. It's still nice. Cool. Cool. So it's still nice. <laughs> so Jay, I know you haven't really changed uh, that much of your personal routine uh but uh but are there any things that that stand out in your mind as changes that you've had to make since uh you know since everything started um well uh just not performing well not i mean because we still been doing a lot of performances uh you know via zoom and, and live streams and not really uh you know, cause like uh, even even with the store, the store the store has been open. You know, we can only have like you know I think uh, ten people max in the store. But uh, yeah, but yeah. So, but I don't think we really have more than ten people in the store anyway right. at a time. So nothing. And uh, other than you know this this uh, distance learning going on in the other room over there. But right. Right. That, yeah. Nah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Patrice, uh, I know that uh, you had to, um, because your personal training is such an interactive, you know, uh, media, it's such a, uh, it relies a lot on you being able to go to or have the people come to you. I know that you had a lot of changes with your uh, with your business. Um, with, is that the biggest adjustment that you've had to make? Or what was the biggest adjustment? Um, yes, and that and he's walking to the car, my son. Oh, um, okay. Hey, Hello. Hey. Hey, Hey. Yeah, it's a Zoom call. Hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? It's two. Just say hi right there. Oh, hello. Just go pick him up from school every day, which takes me around the beltway for about uh, four and a half hours. Wow. So not having to do that drive. Um, and then, of course, you know, not training, um, and then being able to pop into the gym, even in my recovery space right now, I want to go to the gym, but I'm like, eh, um, not really sure about that. Um, but all in all, um, and the other thing would be popping into restaurants, because I used to go out to eat all the time by myself, and so now I'm cooking a lot more. I love to cook, so, um, you know, being creative in a kitchen, that's kind of shifted now, like I'm, I'm able to do it because I have more time. Um, but as far as just like the regular day to day, like I'm a I'm a homebody anyway. So I'm I just I've been you know outside of not being able to work out, I'm pretty grateful for this time. So okay. it's a it's a time of it's a time of stillness and and reflection. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that on some of the other shows about how this time has really given a lot of people you know, a chance to reflect on a lot of things, do a lot of planning, do a lot of uh, thought and. Um, and not as much movement, which, you know, is, is sometimes a good thing. Um, and so like the, you know, the, the silver lining to the, to the gray COVID cloud that's been, uh, it's been lurking over us. Um, before we go any further, I wanted to take a moment to acknowledge the fact that yesterday was Chadwick Boseman's, it would have been his 44th birthday. 
and um, just acknowledge the the immense skill and talent um, that was lost recently. Um, uh, if you haven't seen uh, the few projects that he that were released, um, you know, uh, after his passing, the Five Bloods and uh, Twenty One Bridges, uh, which is both awesome. I got a chance to see both of them, and they're really good. And his last project, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, uh, premieres on Netflix on December tenth, and uh, I'll definitely be checking that out. And I suggest that you guys do too. Um, you know, just uh, prayers for his family and 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 rest in power to you know King to King T'Challa. You know, uh, yeah. So um, a couple of things happened over the weekend. Uh, Jay and I were talking before the show about the uh, the Mike Tyson Roy Jones fight, which was an interesting uh, situation. I know Jay saw it. Did either of you see it, ladies? I saw the last part of it. That's oh, okay. all over social media. <laughs> right, right, right. Right. Patrice, did you get a chance to see any of it? No, I didn't watch the fight. I just waited because I, I couldn't get it on, you know, TV. I just waited for social media. So I woke up at like one in the morning and I was scrolling and it was just, everything was just so hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were talking about how, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Patrice. No, I was just going to say, I'm, you know, I was glad to see their level of, you know, kind of sportsmanship at the end that they showed. I posted a clip. Uh, Roy Jones was hilarious. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, he and, he and Mike Tyson kind of dapped it up, you know. So whether they were fighting the win or fighting the draw or whatever, it, I think it, it was just, you know, that show of sportsmanship, was, that was that did for me. That was cool. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about how um, Snoop Dogg kind of stole the show. You know, with his commentating, and uh, Jay said he performed too. I didn't see that part because, like you said, I saw the clips that were on social media and stuff afterwards, and I uh, wound up catching the whole fight on YouTube. That one and the undercard of uh, Nate Robinson and the guy Jake Paul, and how you know that's been like the meme of you know the the new thing of <laughs> November. He got yeah. <laughs> Would you say Jay? <laughs> I just said man. Yeah, yeah, it was bad, and Snoop singing "Precious Lord" when he got knocked out and all that. Just, just but we were talking yeah, about. Watched, um, I watched that clip like thirty times. Huh? Yeah, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. We were talking about um, Snoop Dogg, and um, I just really like how he's so personable and able to kind of fit into any role. I think that kind of plays back into that, uh, you know, that Bruce Lee quote that be like water. Like I was saying, how when he was commentating, even though he made a lot of jokes, when he was talking about the fight, he really seemed like a commentator. And he does that in a lot of things. Like when he's on the show with Martha Stewart, he really looks like he's been hosting, you know, for a long time. He's very poised and everything. And then, just like I said, really personable and, you know, keeping the jokes coming and stuff. Just sitting there with these guys who didn't know him and get them to a level of comfort, you know, with the jokes and things. So I've just, uh, you know, always been a big fan of Snoop from back in the day. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's just really dope to see somebody because, you know, I, um, the longevity that he has lends itself to that type of personality. You don't really see too many people, um, make it that far without that kind of, you know, just personable personality. So yeah, it was, it was, uh, really good. I feel like, um, Mike Tyson won. I was telling Jay, uh, they said it was a draw, but Mike is, uh, yeah, he's a monster. He's like a pit bull. But he, uh, yeah, uh, even Roy was saying, you know, those hits was hurting and he had to, you know, uh, you know, kind of adjust his style a little bit to, to deal with it. Jay, did you say you thought you thought it was a draw? Well, I think, I mean, if it was a real fight, I think Tyson would have won. But I think Roy 
had to box because he's fighting Mike Tyson. So it's like you can't go in there and brawl with Mike Tyson. So I think he was doing a good job as far as throwing his jabs and uh, wrapping Mike up when they got in the clutch because and people don't understand that, you know, because you just want to see a fight. But when you study, like, the science of boxing, he actually did an excellent job as far as boxing. And so a lot of, you know, um, I guess uh, uh, people who don't don't follow the, the sport would just, it would just look clearly like Mike Tyson won. But I think from a boxing standpoint, like the technicalities of how Roy Jones approached it was very well done. And he's, he, he was a smart fight. He still got dinged up, though, because it's Mike Tyson. Yeah. But... <laughs> Yeah, that's why I was like, I, that's why I could live with a draw because Roy Jones was boxing because you have to box Mike Tyson. You can't just go in the ring like, yeah, I'm going to fight you. We're going to, like, nah, don't, you don't want to do that, bro. <laughs> so I think he was wise in his approach and, and you know, jabbing, sticking and moving. And yeah. I think he did a good job. So I think, yeah, I think I think uh, draw is fair. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Any any comments on uh, your boy Nate Robinson? Man, <laughs> I, it doesn't seem like he trained at all, right? Because yeah. he didn't really have any technique at all. Um, he was just lunging himself, and you know he got his ass knocked out. Um, and that's that's like a terrible idea. If, if if you're ever boxing, I don't know if any of you ever want to take up boxing, but if you ever do, yeah. don't do what Nate did. Don't just run at your opponent because it puts you in a position to end up how he did a meme now forever Precious for the rest Lord, of the day. Right. Take my yeah. Gotta say, like I watched that clip like everybody else so many times and the first, you know, five or six times like I was crying, especially when they started doing the challenge. But then, you know, the little I guess the feminine energy kicked in and I was like, damn, I hope you don't have no brain injury and I'm like, yeah. God, he hit that he hit that mat with his head. Yeah, like that yeah. was all. He was sleep. He was just sleep. Yeah. yeah. Even when, Man. even when they went, um, even when Tyson and um Roy Jones was in the ring, you could see him in the background, still on the on the ground. Well, that was like, a picture that uh they did. That wasn't a real. Yeah, that wasn't. Real. They moved him out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, nah, they didn't leave him down. With a nigga laying on the ground. No, that's why I did. I was like, oh, maybe they knocked him over there. No, they would. I think the funniest one was the Fridays. Uh, was that Friday? No, Boys in the Hood. When they was like, did you want to see a dead body? That, that took the case. Oh, yeah, that was, yeah. There was a lot of memes. It's, uh, you know, uh, you know, the internet is undefeated with the memes. But, um... <laughs> Well, moving on, I wanted to talk. You said what? Y'all ain't feel bad for him? For Nate, yeah, yeah. Anybody that gets like, uh, Jay and I were talking before the show about like what he's going to do now, you know, to kind of get, because, you know, uh, I mean, of course, after a while, it'll die down and he'll be able to, you know, live with it. But I likened it to, um, I don't know if you've ever seen this, the old Martin Lawrence stand-up where he talked about like uh, a boxer, you know, having a lot of hype around him and then getting knocked out. And then uh, the joke was like having to be the guy that's riding home with them or driving them home after he got knocked out. And like that conversation is awkward because it's like, 
did he hit you as hard as it looked like he hit you and stuff like that? And well, where did your teeth go? I don't know where they, you know, stuff like that. So it, it's going to be tough for a little while for Nate, especially in this day and age where the, the uh, you know, social media and the internet is going to take it a lot further than it probably needs to go. But, uh, but yeah, like, you know, uh, he, he was also talking that bullshit. He was like, yeah, I'm doing this for all the NBA players and the athletes around the world and especially my children. Oh, like, mm-hmm. You shouldn't. Oh, yeah, yeah, you gotta be careful what you say. Sometimes you just gotta fight for yourself, brother. Yeah, sh- don't, don't, you know. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Um, moving on, I want to talk a little bit about another big story that's been uh, floating around social media. Kevin Hart uh, dropped a um, released a, a comedy special on Netflix called uh, Zero F's Given. I'm uh, being censored today, but uh, and uh, it's, it's got like um really bad reviews and you know uh unusually re- bad reviews for kevin hart specials because um even though a lot of people have said his punch like his real um his value has waned in in his comedy specials over the years like this one a lot of people are just saying it's you know not that good have any of you seen it don't I all speak at once it. now no <laughs> <laughs> i had actually seen it the other day and I'm not one to watch stand-up. I'm never one to do that. But, like, I laughed. I thought it was pretty good. But, you know, it might be just because I'm not used to, like, viewing all these stand-up comedians and seeing that. But I thought it was pretty funny. I know there was some controversy that was behind it with um, his daughter and the clips that he added there. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, above all, I laughed. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I know. uh... I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Patrice. Um, so I saw one clip of it um, last night, but it was just a random clip, the one where um, the, he's he's asking the girl, it was a TikTok, he's asking the young, the young lady saying she's getting ready to head out to go out with her girlfriends, and he's like, all right, and then he says he's about to go out, and she's like, well, when you, who you going with, and what you going to eat, and where you going to eat at, and all that, he was <laughs> like, he was like, he said, yeah yeah and I, I was telling jay um because we both kind of you know done the stand-up thing a little bit and, and it looked like uh, it was just like a um casualty of this new time that we're in because typically comedians will go out and work their material to a point where it's um at a point where you're kind of sure where the laughs are going to come and things of that nature and there's a lot to be said for that process of going out and working the material and it just looked like even with his timing and things like that it was off um that's uh in a way that's indicative of not doing that of not having that process and so uh, i think that's kind of what what drew it off uh, in my opinion and i got to tell jay i heard people say well you had to wait to the end because uh that's when it got funny you had to just stick to it to the end that's kind of not how comedy works you know but uh <laughs> But I mean, you know, it, it definitely wasn't his best. Like I, I didn't really laugh that much at it. I didn't really, uh, you know, get too many laughs. But he's a funny guy. Like, um, you know, uh, a big fan of like a lot of his work and uh, his work ethic and uh, his joke telling, his structure and things like that is always on point. So um, just watching it from a technical standpoint and not seeing as much of that, that's kind of like I was like, okay, he didn't work this stuff out. He just, Told the jokes to his friends and they laughed and he was like, "I'm gonna put that in the special." So, uh, but, but, um, but yeah, Jay, what was your uh, take on? I know you said you saw about thirty minutes of it, right? Yeah, I only saw about thirty minutes of it, uh, and I didn't laugh, but I was engaged. You know what I'm saying? So, 
he wasn't like, and you know, um, I'm a fan of Kevin Hart. So uh, this this ain't hate, you know what I'm saying? But he kept me engaged. Like it, it was, uh, it was and like I said, I, ha- I haven't seen it. I think I saw 30 minutes of it before I had to like go do something. Um, but uh, I typically would be laughing with, you know, by 30 minutes in into a Kevin Hart uh, comedy, stand-up comedy special. But, you know, the, I guess the interesting thing is he's also an excellent storyteller. Mm-hmm. And so just like how we were saying, like how Dave Chappelle's last couple of things aren't really comedy joints. It's just him speaking to the world about how he feels about things and him just being a funny person, you know, made it funny, but not with the intent of like, oh, I'm going to go out here and make these niggas laugh. Ha ha ha. But I think with, with Kevin Hart, I think a lot of what you're saying is true. You know, not being able to work your material in, in the clubs uh, is, is a, uh, is a technique that's, that's not as appreciated until, you know, you see, you see this type of specials like, oh, if he would have worked that joint in the club at least once or twice, I think it would have come off a little bit more, uh, funny, but at the end of the day, I still was engaged. I didn't want to like cut it off and I wasn't like, oh, this sucks. It's just I wasn't like laughing, but I was I was with him. I was following the stories, and you know he was he was doing a good job. I, it just wasn't the typical cracking me up Kevin Hart stand up for me. And again, I only saw like thirty minutes of it, so I can't really give a full assessment of it. Right, right. And so you plan to go back and watch the rest? Yeah, I, I'm definitely watch. Cause like I said, I'm a Kevin Hart fan, man. I I, I like his approach. I like you know. Uh, I like how he tells stories, and there probably is some degree of like what the people were saying is like you gotta wait till the end, and that typically isn't how comedy works. But again, in the, in the essence of being like Water Dave, uh, I guess he has to adjust just like everybody else has to adjust, right. uh, and you know, uh, staying relevant in in this new time. Uh, of COVID and social distancing and things like that, but I, I, you know, I don't think it sucked. Like a lot of, you know, he's getting a lot of bad reviews about it. A lot of flat, yeah. Yeah. And I was so, gonna but... say if I could. Oh. Sorry, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Are you done? Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. So I was gonna say that, um, and coming out of your, in reference to what you said about, you know, COVID and stuff, and coming out of this, like. You don't. I don't think you just come out the gate and your, you know, your, um, you know, your hype for telling jokes and being funny is right there. Like he probably got had to warm up to, you know, warm up to that because your spirit, everybody's spirit is affected in this. Whether you believe it's the virus or you don't, or you, you know, you've been in your house alone or with your family. Like the way that you move has been affected. So I'm pretty sure that you know he had to warm up to, you know, kind of get into that place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and that's kind of what the um, what that process of working the um, working the material does. Like when you going through the um, you know doing different clubs and things like that, which you didn't have an opportunity to do. That's exactly what that process is for: is working out the kinks, and um, a lot of jokes and how they work is about timing. And so uh, working out the timing and having precise timing and getting an understanding of what's funny and what's not funny. Um, what'll be perceived as funny and not funny is so important to the whole process. So I think I'm pretty sure that's what it was, is that he didn't have a chance to do that. And so, um, 
yeah, we'll give you another shot, Kev. Try again, and and we'll we'll watch it. No, but um, you, you didn't see the whole thing either, did you, Dave? No, nah, I didn't. I didn't. I stopped it about uh, maybe a little further than thirty minutes through, and I will watch it. But like I said, like you know, that's not how comedy really works. It's not like a movie where it's a twist at the end that brings it all together. If you're not telling jokes in the beginning, that's funny. It's not gonna, you know. I mean, and, and there may be some funny stuff toward the end. And I will, you know, like you oh, said, I'll give him... We gave you a pass on your jokes. Oh! oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you... Oh, really? I got laughs. It was people in there laughing. And it wasn't a laugh track. But, um... <laughs> Jason said I was funny, so I think I was funny. Very um, good. Thanks. I appreciate it. But, um... <laughs> But yeah, uh, Jay, you mentioned uh, Dave Chappelle, um, and he released um, a piece entitled uh, "Unforgiven" on Instagram, which wasn't, um, like Jay said, wasn't really comedy. It was more of a um, just um, social commentary on some of the stuff that he's going through, dealing with contracts, and it stems from um, something that he alluded to when he hosted Saturday Night Live, uh, talking about how his show, The Chappelle Show, is streaming on a couple of sites: Netflix and uh, HBO and CBS. And um, he's not getting paid for it at all. And that's because it's actually owned by uh, Viacom, which who owns Comedy Central. Um, and so uh, he basically was just talking about um, just how wrong that is in, in its essence, um, the whole contract thing and how, how they're set up to uh, basically, you know, um, make a lot of money for the companies and leave the actual artists with, with a little... You know, and it, it's a it's a wild situation. Just having a little bit of understanding. I was telling Jay when I started um, doing music, I had got to a point where I thought I was gonna, you know, people were talking contracts and stuff, and so I immediately went and got a book called "The Art of Negotiating a Record Contract." And uh, just um, some of the things that I actually found out, like kind of having a little bit of knowledge about how contracts work and how they're set up to, you know, uh, in the interest of the company making a lot of money and not necessarily the artist, uh, not really caring how the artist, you know, survives after that. But uh, to, to actually see from a lawyer who did contract law, uh, who wrote the book and uh, just, just get an understanding of the links that they go to to be conniving and things like the stuff that uh, Dave was talking about was absolutely right. Things like they, you know, uh, make you sign away your right to use your name, to use your likeness, and they say things like in perpetuity throughout the universe. So there's no chance that you'll ever be able to get your name or your likeness back in that place. Like he was saying, he could never, you know, there's not a chance that he could really get uh, any paid at all for any of the work that he did on Chappelle's show because of that clause and that contract that he signed. And he talked about being a young artist at the time and he was hungry and you know, he had a kid on the way and things that uh, add to, but the things that these companies take into consideration offering these contracts because they know there's not really a chance of you turning down something that at the time seems like a lot of money and and a way out. So, um, so it was real interesting. Did you guys, uh, did any of you see it? Okay, Jay, Jay's the only one that did his homework. All right, so no, <laughs> what'd you think of it, Jay? I thought it was good. You know, I think Dave's a genius. I think, uh, well, I guess the, the, the gangster shit is that he got Netflix to stop streaming. Yeah. Because yeah. of his request, just personally. He didn't go through no legal contract. He just called them and asked them. And they, they obliged. And yeah. uh, that's a powerful chess move in itself that's going to uh, 
that's going to make uh, these companies take notice that 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 people have power uh, because that's big. If you call Netflix and be like, "Yo, can y'all please stop streaming uh, my show? It makes me feel sad." And they was like, "Damn, it makes you feel sad." They will stop it. Yeah, no that's contract, weird. No nothing. Yeah. And that's that's a lot of power, man. And so, you know, and they like we we talked about earlier. Like he signed a contract, so legally, they don't have to do nothing. It's like, yo, your signature is on it, so we right. we can use your image and your likeness in perpetuity throughout the universe, right. and it has your signature right here. And he was like, basically, I made a mistake, and um, can you please? It's making me feel bad. And they was like, okay, we ain't gonna stream it. And so that's that's a chess move right there because that's that's changing the game. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's it's like brand new because you know the uh, to me my subjective definition of revolution is some new shit, and what he did was some new shit. Like there's <laughs> nothing to study, there's nothing to research. Like yo, this bama just called Netflix and was like, yo, I, I signed a terrible contract, but it's making me feel sad. And they stop screaming at nigga shit. And it's well, like, I, I wow. think it has. I think it has to do a lot with you know. We talked about um, leverage and like like when new artists mm-hmm. come in, um, or you know, new artists, new actors, new anything. When you come in uh, to dealing with a larger company, um, if you have a certain amount of leverage, and that's one of the things that I uh, you know um, have seen over the years happen in practice, and also read about. Um, just like so, for instance, if you have a fan base when you come in then you have a little bit of leverage because you're able to say, like, if they try to make any changes to your image or your art, you have the leverage to be able to say, well, this many people like me like this, and this is why I'm here. So I, can I keep this element? Or And it's still, like, kind of asking because at the end of the day, they kind of hold a lot of the chips. But the fact, I think Dave had a lot of leverage. He's doing, um, you know, uh, deals with them. He has deals with them, and they know how much. So much money. Yeah, yeah, and I, they know how much they still stand to make off of him. So I think that played a lot, a huge part of it. Um, you know, he he also talked about the his uh, the HBO, that whole situation with them, how he went to them before he went to Comedy Central, and instead of just saying yes or no to his project, as they're kicking him out of the office, the exec that he spoke to said, "What do we need you for?" And you know, and so for it to come full circle, and now they're streaming his show. He said, that's his question to them now. Like, what do you need me for? Like, and so uh, that's why he's kind of, you know, coming at uh, HBO. Like, don't watch it on HBO. And so so it was an interesting, um, uh, like I said, piece of social commentary. He's a genius storyteller. And so uh, the entertainment value is there, Jay. I think, like you said, about the Kevin Hart uh, special, it wasn't as funny. Uh, Dave is just a funny guy, so there were some laughs in there. But it was more just like his, him talking about, you know, how he felt about the situation and, uh, his plea to like you know help him out. Don't watch it, you know. So, so it was pretty good. I suggest it to anybody who um, is a fan of Dave Chappelle. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit before we get into this interview. I saw a story. Uh, the last thing that I saw uh, last night uh, was a story about how uh, Drake has become uh, one of the latest in a long line of artists who have spoken out against the. Um, the artists uh, in the Grammys, uh, the artists of color being snubbed by the Grammys, um, citing that 
people like The Weeknd and Lil Uzi Vert, who had two of the biggest albums of the year, and neither one of them, you know, had any nominations this year. Now, the Grammys has started a, a, a group of uh, black artists. I forgot what they call it. Like, it's like a crew of people who, uh, you know, um, are trying to work to, um, you know, add more diversity to the nominees and to just the Grammys uh, as a whole. And I know, like... Um, uh, John Legend is one of the people that's on that group and a couple of other people. And they said they worked in uh, some of the strides that they made. Like he put out a statement talking about how um, uh, there are a number of black women who are nominated uh, this uh, this year for the Grammys. But um, it's, it's just interesting to me, like uh, this um, argument has been going on for a while. And uh, it's, it's nothing new. Like they had, the, what was it, the um, Emmy So White or something like that last year or a couple of years ago. And uh, people were boycotting and things like that. And I was reading about how a number of artists have refused to submit their work to the Grammy Association. People like um, uh, uh, Frank Ocean and and Tyler the Creator and people like that who talked about how um, even like the terms urban music is like they actually changed that term because of, of those people. Um, just because it seems like, uh, like Tyler, the creator said, when I hear urban music now, it sounds like you call, it feels to me like you're calling me the N word. Like, you know, it's so associated with black music. And he's like, why can't we just be pop? We're popular music. We're one of the most popular genres. And I mean, I think he has a valid point with that. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just an interesting, uh, story. And like I said, it's something that's been going on for so long. And my thinking on it is, um, it's kind of like, why are we still looking for, um, you know, accolades from this group that hasn't really shown us any for years. You know, it's like uh, we put work into starting our own things like the, you know, the BET Awards, the Soul Train Awards, uh, things like that, that kind of give us a place to, to shine and show reverence to people who've, you know, made leaps and strides in different genres. So uh, the Grammys just it isn't ours, you know. I say let them have it, you know. It'll be all right. But I mean, the, what do you, how do you guys feel, uh, Elizabeth? How you know? Uh, do you think it's been that that black people are underrepresented? Oh my gosh, absolutely, absolutely. And um, I feel that in a personal stride, like with my endeavors, and it, I just feel like that kind of holds a burden over my head because, like, you have to like fit an image whenever you're like working in the film industry or working in the music industry. Like they want a cookie cutter mold and that's, it's right. so hard to try to like fit into that. Mainly because like there's so many people that like thrive outside of it. Right. It's almost like it's just so borderline accepted. Like it's like, oh, we'll only take it this far. Um, we're willing to push these boundaries a little bit, but not too much, not too right. much. Right. So I just, I feel like there's a lot of evolving that has to happen in these industries because it's just, it's not exactly what it could be. It could be so much more. Right. Definitely, definitely. And Patrice, do you have any, um, you know, opinions on like the, the Grammys or like that debate about us trying to be accepted in this, uh, you know, in these industries or um, amongst these groups like the Grammy Association or the Academy and things of that nature, or, you know, who haven't really given us, or it seems like almost had to be forced to kind of make changes and uh, have us be more accepted. Um, I'm going to go take it back to um, segregation was not, uh, desegregation was not a good thing. Um, that uh, Segregation was not a good thing. So I think we, um, you know, we're, we're asking to be accepted, but it's okay if we have our own. Like, 
I think we're, you know, we're forgetting that, you know, first of all, to Elizabeth's point, you know, there's a box that everyone's being put in, you know, especially black people. Um, to, you know, when you talk about urban music, when you talk about certain types of music, as soon as you hear it, you know, you think certain things because we're so, you know, stereotypical because of oppression, et cetera. So when you try to put everybody into a mold of what, you know, media tries to carve it out to be, it doesn't match up to um, to us. Like, we don't, it's like we don't fit. So why would we go to an entire population of people and, and beg them for a seat at a table? Why, why are we not creating our own tables why are we still why are we still asking for that um and i can only i can speak to that personally from a training perspective and having my own business you know i could easily go into another neighborhood and charge a different price and get way more money in a more you know affluent area and i'm not relating that to you know color but more so demographic but sometimes you know with gentrification it happens that way but I choose to stay within you know the areas that serve serve you know black people or people that you know may not be able to to pay higher prices so that's a choice that I make but you know and shout out to what were the the artists you said that they said that they you know they pulled it they stopped submitting music to the Grammys yeah like people need to just start making power moves like that to say okay well you're not accepting just you know the people around me then i'm not going to push forward either you know i'm going i'm going to take the take the hit and it's not about fame for me but it's about supporting a collective and supporting a community and our efforts right yeah definitely definitely jay i see you've returned <laughs> no, it's all right, man. No, no, it's all right. It's all right. Um, yeah. So, uh, did you have an opinion about the, you know, the whole Grammy situation, or like we were just talking about, you know, uh, I think uh, Patrice put it well. You know, ask, trying to get a seat at a table that is uh, that hasn't really set a place for us. Yeah, I like yeah, that analogy. That's a good analogy. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, it's quite stupid, but. Um... I understand it. You know, it's cognitive dissonance. You know, um, you know, we seek approval uh, because that's all we've seen. Like when people associate top-notch music, you know, you think about the Grammys, right? But that's not our fault. That's what's been indoctrinated into us since we were child. I'm sure we was all of us probably little kids watching the Grammys on TV. Yeah. And um, so it's just not out of the blue. Like, why do black people keep you know, uh, seeking approval from, but it's the same thing with everything else. So it's, uh, it's not right. And we do need to, uh, remove ourselves, but you can say the same thing about the NFL or any other, um, or, or the, the, the country itself. Um, it, it, it thrives off blackness and, um, a lot of people don't feel, uh, validated unless we get the approval of white people um and and it's it's quite insane but i guess the the point that i'm attempting to make is that we have to understand the work that is put into to have our our minds operate this way and so shout out to those brothers who you said like tyler and uh frank ocean 
to kind of, you know, to, to recognize like, yo, you know, uh, I'm just not going to submit. Um, but it's like the, the, the contradiction, the irony is like the, uh, the best hip hop album category this year. Yeah. It's like, it's God MCs for the yeah. first time ever. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, people like Nas and Buster and who else? Nah, I, I, it's Nas, Royce the Five Nine, Jay Electronica, uh, Freddie Gibbs, and uh, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yo, yeah. these bands can actually rap. Yeah, you know, what I'm saying? It, it's not like it's not drug music. It's not I get bitches music. It's not my look at my money music. Like these are actual legitimate. Bar spitters, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. But at the same time, fuck the Grammys. Like, you know what I'm saying? But it's like that's that's how they work us though. It's like they'll take the time to be like, all right, we're gonna put some real music in this category. But at the end of the day, man, it's not ours. Uh, but yeah. that I, I'm just doing I'm just saying all that to highlight how we could be in this place of still like uh knowing for a, a fact like this is not for us like this is a this is a, a institution created by racists always has been probably always will be but for some strange reason we don't know why we seek the validation of this institution and you know and this year's best hip-hop album is a, a, a indication of our confusion because it's like yo I want Nas to win a Grammy so bad, but I don't even fuck with the Grammys. So even yeah. I'm conflicted, you know what I'm saying? But all at right. the end of the day, the Grammys could burn to the ground and I wouldn't get no fucks at all. Can you I? know what I'm saying? But at the, in the same breath, I want yeah. Nas to win a Grammy. I don't know why. <laughs> we have a certain amount of, before you, before you say it, Patrice, we have a certain amount of, um, of F-bombs. I think he used them up. So no, I'm just playing. Go ahead, <laughs> Patrice. <laughs> So um, I was going to say, to Jay's point, like, we, we talked about that at some point, how everything is emotionally linked, is it, is it, is connected, and it, and it drives off emotions. So if you look at those who are nominated for, um, you know, this year, like, those albums that you mentioned, like, I love the Jay Electronica album, like, those albums speak to the movement that's going on right now. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think it speeds. It sees the the emotions of the country as as as, as us as a, those who are part of the collective that move. You're breaking up, Patrice. And it's always when she's saying some deep stuff. We can't hear nothing you talking about. Yeah, yeah. I thought she started. I thought she started singing for a second. I was like, oh, this is a performance. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You still breaking up a little bit. Damn, it was good too. Right, right. I figured. I figured. That's the man trying to hold us down. They're trying to stop us. No, but uh, <laughs> but uh. But yeah, man, I do want to um, get into this interview. What did you say, Patrice? I, I just, can you hear me now? I'm going to say it real fast. Okay, you're breaking up, but let's try to see what you go ahead. 
Okay, I'm going to just try to say this real fast. I was just going to say it speaks to uh, those particular artists being um, nominated in that category, particularly at this time, speaks to what we talked about a few shows ago about how emotions are running high and everything is connected. And so as a, you know, as a collective, most black people are with this, you know, Black Lives Matter movement and, and like, in particular, I love Jay Electronica's album. Like, a lot of those albums speak to, you know, the vibe that's going on right now. And right. so I think it's all connected. And I know that's kind of left, but it's, it's just, you know, I just think it's all connected. And it's, you know, that's it. That's all I want to say. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely agree. I feel like that, like you said, the, the emotional pull of the whole thing is uh, it's interesting how like you said, the albums that are nominated all kind of speak to that. Nas, um, Jay Electronica, uh, who else? Freddie Gibbs. That all of them have a certain element of social um, justice. Nah, yeah, Royce. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's one more too. It's another crazy joint that's dope. And I love album. Yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Man, um, Royce the five nine is awesome. Yeah, his his albums. That's what I'm saying, yo. I ain't never seen the Grammys do best hip hop. Uh, album category like this without no, you know, no uh, drug, uh, woman, uh, you know, misogynistic music. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yo, I ain't never seen this out the Grammys for, for best rap, uh, best hip hop album. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's that. So, so Jay, you don't support him, but you're gonna watch it anyway to see if Nas get the, no, I'm, I'm get the statue. Not watch it. It's just. And you know it's funny, babe. I don't even like Nas, but I respect him as an MC because he don't do he don't do the dumb music. And I just yeah. respect any any black man on the planet who ain't trying to capitalize on portraying that image and and what he has done. He's maintained because you know I've interviewed Nas, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, so I'm not even like a Nas fan. But I respect his uh, I respect his uh, uh, consistency and being who he is. Because when I interviewed Nas, man, I was like, oh, he really is this person that I hear in these songs. Mm. He's not portraying no character of a person, like where it's like a uh, like like a Rick Ross. Mm. It's like it's no way you could be like a real person. There's no yeah. way you could sell 75 keys of cocaine and, and not be in prison. A song about it. You know what I'm saying? It's right. no way. Then you know the real Noriega. Oh, oh, nigga, you know the real Noriega. And, and so, so not that I tell him, I'm just saying, like, but it's like, it's like fantasy rap. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, I'm going to have sex with 72 women, but I ain't got no STDs. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like so. It's like Nas has always been true to who he is, yeah, and I'm yeah. not even a fan of his. But I was like, yo, if anybody deserves a a, a, a hip hop Grammy, I was like, well, at least Nas has been true to himself, right, right. Uh, you know, so that's that's really the only. So I, I'm still not gonna watch the Grammys or support the Grammys, but you know. Um, I don't, do we have, we don't have like a, because uh, even our our awards are quite coonish, you know, um, and so uh, I guess the Grammys is like a, uh, 
the 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 high level of uh, musicianship and and you know industry standard for 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 music, but you know uh, at the end of the day we need to we need to dig deep within ourselves and understand the contradictions that uh, arise when we put our, our heart faith and emotions in, into these institutions that are founded in racism. And there you go. So uh, I think that's a good way to uh, put a little bow on that one there. And uh, but yeah, I appreciate that. So um, so I definitely want to get into this interview um, uh, while we have some time left. No, but <laughs> so I want to talk to uh, to Liz here. Thank you so much again for joining us and 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 sharing in our conversation mm-hmm. here and uh, yeah yeah being a part of this. Um, so I wanted to talk to you. I wanted to start by taking it back a little bit um, to uh, when you were a little kid. Do you remember when people used to ask you what you wanted to do for a living? Do you remember what you would say? Yes, I would give them so many different answers. It wasn't even funny. One week it'd be a doctor, and next week it'd be a lawyer. Um, interior de- uh, decorating came in there. Uh, wedding dress designer. We were all over the place. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So yeah, yeah, you had a bunch of them. So did I mean was any of them acting or modeling or singing or? It's so funny because in sixth grade I made a huge bucket list of things that I wanted to accomplish in my life, mm. and like it wasn't gonna be like something that I'd do next month. It'd be it would have to be like years down the road, and a lot of them like did have to do with like being on TV shows or walking down the red carpet or like, you know, really just experiencing the whole film industry. No. So it's been embedded in my like system, but I didn't really get to truly embrace it until like these past few years. Okay. Okay. And was, did you ever in any of those times that you said, did you ever say you wanted to be a uh, medical technician at all? Did that ever come up? I'm just messing with you. <laughs> I, was just... I, did, I was gonna say, it, it didn't until like I graduated college. Right, right. So, um, so, but uh, between acting, modeling, singing, all of the things that you do, um, I would say, uh, which do you enjoy the most? Do you have one that you enjoy the most or is it all the same? Okay, so I'm going to go in the order of music, acting, modeling. Okay. Because I don't really like modeling at all. Really? Oh, but, okay. Yeah, I, I really don't. I don't. I've been to too many of those auditions for modeling. I've traveled like like four to six hours just to be looked at for 30 seconds. It's like, all right, now we're going to go on the next one. It's, oh. it's there's a lot there's to it. I, yeah. I really love my music, but that's kind of my own type of meditation. Like, it, that's what grounds me, and that's where I feel good, and that's where I always, like, go to. Mm. But with acting that just the whole scenario always feels right every time i step foot on set that's dope every single time that's dope Mm -hmm. i think i think that's um something that uh people who thrive in the business have in common and i feel like i've I've felt that way too like anything i pursued with (laughs) acting it kind of worked out you know i you know i haven't had too many situations where i either got a no or anything like that and so that's what kept me uh you know propelled uh you know driven to, to, to keep moving and, and forward. That's the industry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, have, I mean, I, I always like to think that it's half the industry is being rejected. If you learn to be right. rejected, then you can learn to thrive. Exactly, exactly. That's definitely right. So, um, I, I haven't done anything lately, um, mainly based on like COVID. Uh, and I know you spoke a little bit about how it affects it, but it hasn't 
Um, from what you've been saying, it hasn't really slowed down the work, though, right? No, I don't think it does. I think the majority of the work that's been delayed is just precautionary because right. people know travel's involved. You're going to have to interact with multiple different people just to, like, slow down. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, just being on set with COVID, you do takes with masks. You do yeah. t- takes without masks. They want to incorporate that for, like, future commercials because, you know, we're going to have to get used to this way of life because right. that's what's happening currently. We don't see a time yet where we're without them. Right. So it's just, it's adapting and evolving. Right, right. And um, so uh, you said between the three, so acting is the one that you uh, kind of, well, the music is what grounds you, but acting is your... Music your is mine, yeah. So, yeah, so but if... Acting, acting is where it's at. Great, great. So, so if I were to ask you what you do, like, what, what's your claim to fame? You would say acting? Acting. Definitely. Sure, without a doubt, no hesitation. And, and so you say you don't like modeling. Would you say that's the most challenging? Modeling, it's just, it's not my forte. It's okay. not. There's too much involved in it that I feel like I can't really um, do to just incorporate myself. It's you make the appearance and then you leave. Yeah. Acting, you can really delve deep. You can actually be yourself and like find all these like emotions that you didn't know you had hidden in you to just mm-hmm. like expel. That's right. my true art form. Dope, dope. And so, yeah, uh, to, sticking with that a little bit, um, what kind of a process do you go through to prepare for, like, your roles? Is there anything specific that you do uh, when you get a new role and you're reading it and preparing to, to you know, perform? Um, yeah, after, like, reading the scripts a couple of times, like, there's something in me. It's the strangest thing of how I can just like remove myself from the situation and just become that person. I can't really describe it. It's mm-hmm. really a strange process. But like all the emotions that like the intensity that's written on paper, somehow like I can relate that to like, you know, my life and then events that have occurred that like where I felt like that intensity and just bring it to life. And like it gets perfected over time. Sometimes mm-hmm. I don't nail it quite as easily as, you know, I say that I can, but like mm-hmm. it, it comes, it, it comes and goes. Definitely, definitely. So, um, who is your biggest inspiration, like acting wise? Like, who do you look up to? Who inspires you? Carrie Washington. I absolutely adore her. <laughs> and, and see, my friends have always pushed like scandal on me back in high school, and that's just a series that I can always go back to. I know what's happening, and I can I can stop at one of her monologues and just like. Feel it. I want mm-hmm. like I just want to be exactly like that. I want someone to feel that emotion, feel that intensity, be in that moment with me whenever I'm on screen. And I can do that all the time with her, whatever role she plays. It's incredible. She is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah, that is, and that's an amazing, you know, uh, uh, feeling. It's wonderful when actors do it well and do it right. It, it's great, and it's you know, absolutely it's good to be able to portray that. I've I've seen Jason do that a few times. Uh, you know, where I just, you know, he's done monologues and stuff, and I'm like, yeah, I feel that. But, <laughs> but um, uh, so, um, like I said in the uh, in the intro, you had a recurring role on the CBS show, The Investigators. So how did that come about? Um. Okay. So this was before I had an agent. This. Oh, okay. This was me trying so hard, just like pushing myself to get into the industry to begin with. And honestly, this was probably the best TV show set that I've like set foot on, mainly mm-hmm. because like it was so small and so intimate. Mm-hmm. 
because mm. they would book me maybe like three days in a row. I'd come back a couple months later. I'd be there for two more days. Same cast, same crew. Like everyone just loved each other. That was their family. And that's, that's one thing that tied me into it because like you really do like from all the time you spend with them, you become that. Yeah. And like, it's just nice to see them on a regular basis. That's one thing that I really miss just being on like commercial sets. You see these people for two days max, and then you leave, and then you say, "Well, I hope to work with you again sometime soon." Right. Like, I hope you're in this area. It's just hard. I get very attached to my set, like my crew and my like set people. Right, right. And so you said that was before you had an agent. I know a lot of people, like mm -hmm. myself, I don't have an agent. Like I try to do it myself. But how how helpful has uh, getting an agent been for your career? It's incredible. It takes so much time away from me because I don't have to hunt for all these things. I don't have to go through websites looking for castings because like I'll have my agent like email me like, oh, well, you have an audition this day. I need it by this time. And this happens like on a weekly basis. Mm. Like, and I love it. Like even today I have an audition that I have to send through um, like just from a at home recording because COVID right, can't really right, audition yeah. in person anymore. That's one thing I had to get used to. Right, but right. Um, it's just, it's incredible. Like, it really does take the stress and strain off of you. That's good. That's, yeah, yeah. So, um, we're looking to getting an agent. So, uh, <laughs> so um, yes. one of the things that most of the um, artistic professions have in common is the downtime. Like, especially when you're on a set or you're in the studio recording and things of that nature, mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of time that you're just not doing anything. And so, uh, when I would record uh, music, I would have what I would call a, a studio survival kit, and so it was always like some kind Ooh. of some kind of like candy to to keep me you know away because you know you have those moments the time after a certain time you start to break down. I'd have something uh, back right. then. I'm gonna date myself, but back then I'd have something to read. Now I'd have my phone, but back then I'd keep something to read, and so it's just something to keep me interested. Is there anything like when you're on a set all day or you're you know working on stuff all day that you have to have with you? Like a survival kit, like something you keep with you all yeah. the time? <laughs> so I did do the book thing for a while. Um, I had read The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho like a million times. Mm -hmm. Brilliant book if you guys haven't read it. Uh, but that was that amazing, absolutely amazing. I can get something new from it every time I read it. Mm -hmm. But that was my go-to book. But right now, like every time I have to be on set, two Red Bulls have one <laughs> right before I get there. I'll have one in the fridge for like, you know, about like four hours on set. Um, and then, of course, the phones. But I've really kind of learned to embrace getting to know people on set, learning their journey throughout the industry, how they got to where they are, because you really learn a lot from people. Like, if you just, like, put down the phone, just sit down, get to know them. Right. And they always have great recommendations. They tell you what to get involved in, what not to get involved in. Like, they'll tell you, like, their horror stories or, like, right. moments where they've, like, absolutely had, like, a, a thriving time. Like, things like that. It's just, I just really connect with people that way. So I've kind of decided to put the books away and just ask questions. I'm just talking to you. So. Yeah. Where are you from? I'm from Beckley, West Virginia. Who? <laughs> Beckley, West Virginia. I'm in Southern West Virginia. Beckley? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Did you what? act yeah. then, like as a kid? Like that was your thing? I did do a little bit. I didn't take it as seriously as I could have. But I was always in like theater. Okay. Yeah. And did you go to like college? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I just graduated this past May. From where? From West Virginia University of Institute of Technology. So um, it's ah. a sister school of um, WVU. Okay. Yes. 
you a theater major? No, I'm actually a biology major. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that's the whole. Yeah, I wish I would have gone to theater school. Okay. Yeah, I was. I was yeah, I, okay. I was gonna say I know. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to ask about, I've, um, you know, um, I'm kind of the same way with uh, just talking to people, but just because I'm, you know, uh, naturally personable and usually if I'm on a set or something, I'm nervous. So uh, that's the kind of the way to calm my nerves. I talk to people. So um, I've heard the debate between people um, talking about uh, honing your skills, like taking acting classes or actually going to school for it. And um, actually, one of my favorite actors, the young lady who I've worked with, Devin Thomas, she's a big proponent of, uh, of of studying your craft and going to school and following the um, you know you know that whole path uh, she even went to to London she did the the, uh, the school that uh, Chadwick Boseman did that uh, the story about how uh, Denzel Washington paid for his way to do that she did that and stuff but you know there are people who say if you are naturally talented the things that you can pick up and you don't need it and then some people you know really harp on the importance of having that technical background. How do you feel about it? Um, well, I never considered acting classes until this year, actually, mm. because of all the auditions that I've done. Um, like like I said, half the job is getting rejected. And like that kind of feeds internally. And you're like, okay, well, what am I doing wrong? Like, what am I doing right in these other auditions that get me the role, but like I just can't seem to nail. Like right. I've had to deal with this frustration for the past couple of months. But um, I didn't really consider acting classes until I spoke to my agent about it. And they do have like their own people that they like to recommend. Mm -hmm. And like, I really would love to do that because you never stop learning. Right. There's something like, even if you are the most talented actor out there, you will get something from that class that you never even considered or thought about. Right. So that's one of the things that I'm trying to get into, but it's really strange right now with COVID because I feel like I do best with in-person acting than I would like, you know, over zoom or like right. however they're incorporating it nowadays so that's what i'm waiting for an opportunity to do it's like just go down there get my in-person training and then like continue to thrive that's great yeah definitely so uh let's talk about your music a little bit so um all right <laughs> so i've listened to like and, and i was um uh listening to i went back through because i've heard some of your stuff because i follow you on social media but i was going back through you know in preparation for the interview and i was thinking to myself like your music kind of puts me in the mind of a uh like corinne bailey ray or alicia cara or people like that um but who would you say like wh how would you describe your sound honestly i feel like i'm still trying to find it mm. and i know that so that probably sounds crazy but like I feel as though my voice changes a lot or like I just I try to like do covers a lot just to like figure out what my range can be how I can push my limits that way and a lot of it's like just pop music nowadays or like Amy Winehouse I absolutely adore her and just her sound but um I'm working on it I don't know if okay. I'm more of like the deeper earthier sound or if I can yeah. be like more pop it's just a work in progress. That's why I say music is like my grounding moment. That's where I'm trying to find myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you sound like you have it all together. Like I've uh, enjoyed a few of the things that you've done. Some of them were um, original pieces though, right? You've written a few things? I've done a couple of original pieces. Um, a lot of writer's block kind of stumbles across my path. So uh -huh. I try to defeat that by just like, you know, listen to more music, try to like delve into my feelings, try to like actually sit down and write something. 
But, right. you know, it comes and goes. It's one of those things where if it hits me, it hits me. If it doesn't, oh well. And that's that's exactly like uh, how would you like me? Um, so I saw an interview that Michael Jackson did like years ago, and it stuck with me ever since. Where he talked about how music is organic; it's a flow, it's a rhythm that comes from you know it comes from outside of you. It's, it's you know, and so it's nothing that you control. When you try to control it, it's it's, it's not art anymore because it's not organic. Right. And so, yeah, let it flow. Like, I'm, I promise you the best stuff will come out when you just let it flow. So, and, and I've heard some really great stuff from you. I want to know um, what, what inspires you to write? Like, what, what puts you in the mood or puts you in that place to sit down and just, you know, put stuff on paper? I, it's just, I guess I like to blame it on me being a Gemini. Okay. Because it's like oh. one personality <laughs> being another. <laughs> And all of a sudden, it's just like a huge influx. Like, God, okay, I need to sit here. down and get this all out now. <laughs> you hear a lot of stuff about Gemini. I know some really cool Geminis. Jay, come back. But, uh, yeah, they're older. They're older. I do. Yeah, I do know some really cool Gemini. I know Elizabeth Gramling. She's a really cool Gemini now. But, uh,. <laughs> But yeah, so um, uh, you say you uh, you do uh, uh, write your own. I'm sorry, I lost my. You did the smile thing and it threw me off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, inspirationally, what people uh, do you get inspiration from? Like uh, what artists? Like uh, who who that, really influences you? That's not even you? limited. That's right. not that can't be. I can't give you a set answer for that because I find inspiration literally all around me. Because I I like to people watch for one. I learn a lot from people that way. I find that's like one of my favorite pastimes. I'm one of those people that kind of sits back and listens. So like I get a lot of food for thought moments and it kind of just like starts from there and all the dots start like connecting, all the wheels start turning. She's like, oh my gosh, like think about it this way. Like, okay, well let's step out of this, like, like step out of the role of being like the center of attention. Just like, okay, let's see some more outsider point of views. Like things like right. that. Like, it's not just one set person that inspires me or one set thing that inspires me. It's, it's everything. Okay. Well, who are your favorite musicians? Like, who's your top, top maybe mm-hmm. five favorite people that you listen to? Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, I love Stevie Wonder. Mm. I love... It's a good start. Presley. Yes. Um, I love Amy Winehouse. Um, oh, my goodness. Pressure. <laughs> You put me on the spot, and I'm trying to think of everyone. That's all right, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I like a lot of old music. Okay. And that's mainly because, like, my grandpa loved Elvis Presley growing up. I kind of, like, adapted that. So I have, like, all of his albums. Like, sang them as a kid, repeated those songs on CDs on road trips. I'm sure my parents probably hated me for that. Right, right. But that, that, that was me growing up. And, like, I guess that kind of incorporates my music now and, like, the sound that I try to find. Your grandfather white? No, he's like, he like Elvis Presley. He loved Elvis Presley. Wow. Absolutely loved him. Uh, he's, he's in West Virginia too? No. So my dad's side of the family came from Augusta, Georgia, but they grew up all over the world because my grandfather was in the military. So like even my dad, like he went to high school in Thailand. Like he, they just oh, have dope. amazing stories. Yeah. They're incredible people. They really are. Okay. And that's your, um, that's your favorite. All right, who's in your, uh, well, I used to say iPod, but who's in, like, your phone or your, stuff, like, right now? Like, who are you listening to right now? Who do you like? Um, I listen to a lot of Halsey. 
because I think she's incredible. I love Sia because her voice range is insane. I wish I could like push my voice to those limits. I try and I croak a little bit, but <laughs> that, that's just one of those things. Yeah, yeah. Are you gonna sing for us today, or Jay, or Dave? Am I moving ahead? Oh, uh, I don't want to put her on the spot, but since you asked, uh, but we'll let's do some, let's do some more questions, and then we'll you you can think about it. And if you have something for us, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine too. I'm not gonna press you just because uh, I didn't prepare you because I thought about um, like maybe because I'm the night owl, so I'm and then I work overnight, so I'm up at night. So at like three o'clock in the morning, I'm like I should text her and ask her if she wants to do a song. Well, I'm like, no, nah, it's cool. We'll just wait till next time. It's it's uh, but uh, <laughs> but I have a few more questions anyway, so because uh, I want to uh, know a bunch of stuff about you. So, how did the uh, the the medical field get into it? Like, how did how did you find the interest in that? My parents always wanted a doctor. <laughs> they wanted a doctor in the family. Mm. Um, so basically, it was kind of instilled in me to like you know like embrace my science side because I, I, I definitely I have so much interest in that mm. but I kind of forced my way through it mainly because like I knew that's what they wanted mm. and halfway through school I realized my passion for the arts mm. because I I grew up painting I grew up singing I grew up acting I, I did all these things but I only considered it as a hobby everything mm. else like fixated on like science based or math based things like that Mm. But I didn't truly embrace it until, like, I went to an audition for, like, a talent scout. And I was like, oh, crap, I'm kind of good at this. <laughs> like, right. So that's when I started taking myself more seriously. And I talked about wanting to go to, like, a theater school. And, like, that didn't seem real to me yet. Because I was mm. like, all right, well, I'm right here, right now. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm studying. This is what I'm going to be. But whenever reality decided to kick in, it was like, okay, well, let, let's start exploring the arts a little bit more. That's where you're happy. That's where you always travel to for an outlook. So why don't you just, like, use it for your, like, daily life? Right, right. So that's why I just went ahead and finished school. I was too far in, I thought. Mm. So I finished it, got my biology degree, and then, like, now, now that I'm, like, taking some time off, I'm working and I'm just embracing what I can find, like, through acting. I was seeing like what I can do. If yeah. I can make it happen, this is when it's gonna happen for me. Yeah, I, I think it's gonna happen for you. I have some horrible advice for you. People always say it's good to have, you know, a good foundation of something to fall back on. And um, uh, the, the, you know, the clinical, uh, the, the medical field is, also, is a wonderful thing. I say, don't do it, give it up. Focus 100% on what you love and only do that. And I know it's terrible advice, but I always tell, like, we've had a few artists on and, and people, and you know, people into the arts, and they do different things, um, especially because, especially in this time, it's not as lucrative as it could be, especially when you're in the beginning and you're working on building your, your sound or your ability or whatever the case may be. And so people who, like, do, um, you know, T-shirts or do, like... Um, uh, like we had a young lady that does like a natural aroma, like aromatherapy things and stuff like that. And I'm like, give all that up. You're really good at what you do. And I'm saying the same thing to you. You're really good at acting. Uh, your, your music is amazing. Give all that other stuff up. Just focus 100% on that. I know it's terrible advice, but that's my advice. And uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's, I, I no, believe I you can make it. it. I really do. That's yeah. the goal. That's really the goal. Yeah, that's yeah. what keeps me going, really. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. Please don't listen to me, but that's what I think you should do. Um, <laughs> but uh, so between like um, the 
music, the acting, the, the you said sleeping is a uh, is is a luxury. Do you uh, make time sleeping for one hundred percent is right. So what what do you um, do to make I time for yourself? Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. So I always try to get my nails done because that's another thing for my therapy. <laughs> Just to get get pampered, get taken care of, and then get back to whatever you need to do. That and I am a horrible shopaholic. And oh. it's funny because, like, if I'm not wearing scrubs, I'm normally wearing sweats. But mm. I have, like, cute clothes that I'd like to say, oh, well, if I ever do this, this is the outfit I'm going to prepare for that. Okay. So, like, that's my visionary type deal right there. But one of the things I like to do, like, music, you already know that. Um, right. Right. I, it's funny because I really don't get a lot of time to myself. I'm either, like, preparing with acting or at work mm. or just driving to and from. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's. <laughs> yeah, you gotta I make sure I you... that reality is checked us right now. Yeah, yeah, you gotta make so sure you like, carve out some you time. time for yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Patrice, you can speak to like the importance of, of, of uh, taking time out for yourself and really having like just time to regroup and restructure and pull yourself together, right? Yeah, well, I'm, uh, I wanted to say I'm actually a cancer, Liz, and when you were talking, I'm like. Is she at the bottom of Gemini? Cause she's real close. Who's a cancer trace? Are you at the end of June? It's funny because it's well June eighteenth. That's my birthday. Yeah, that's the end. Of, that's the end of June because I'm July seventh. Uh, so when you okay. were yes, I'm seven seven. So when you were talking, I'm like, she sounds. That sounds like stuff I would do. Like you know, I always have something and say I'm gonna use it for another time because like we don't think we don't think in the here and now. We're like planning out like. Do you have like a dream role, like something you would love to play or you feel like you were born to do? I'd love to be in a production by Shonda Rhimes. Mm. I need that in my life. That is my goal, just to be in a primetime show that she's written. That's it. Yeah, yeah, like, she... I would just melt. I really would. <laughs> so brilliant, so talented. And it's just like she just she creates these such complex characters. Right, right. And, like, she just puts all her faith in these actors to make that come to life. That's about... That's what I would love. Yeah, you're going to get it. Definitely. Definitely. (laughs) And so, uh, musically, dream collaborations. Like, who would you like to work with? Oh, my goodness. I don't even know. I haven't even thought that far. Because, like, I don't really, like, consider music where I would, like, you know thrive. I just feel like music's one of my little solitude things. Hmm. Okay. Dream collaboration. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay, I'm gonna have to think on that for a while. Okay. Okay. I'll give you I'll give you um one minute exactly to no I'm just kidding now. <laughs> <laughs> <Sure. laughs> 
thinking, if I could say something. Sure. I love how you, like, Liz, how you, um, you're, you never put yourself in the box. The whole time I've been listening to you, whether it's acting, whether it's your music, you don't put yourself in that box that we were talking about at the top of the hour where, you know, it might be, you know, oh, I'm going to stick with this genre or I'm going to stick with this these types of acting gigs or this type of actress. So I really, I admire that. Keep doing that. It, it kind of, you know, it, it says that, you know, your personality allows you to, to mesh with whatever, you know, like Jay, like Jay says, you know, flow like water and kind of, It's something that one is essential um, for uh, for actors, I think, just because of the type of work that that uh, you know that they do. Um, you know, taking on the personality, like you said, or uh, uh, of of another person and being able to fit into that vessel. But also, I like what, uh, what you said, Patrice, about um, it. It also um, speaks to carving out your own lane because. Um, I think that's what, what uh, Bruce Lee was trying to do with the importance of saying water can flow or it can crash. Because if you think about water, it's, it's very malleable. It'll fit into anything you put it into. But also, like, when it's a river or it's a lake, if there's not a path, it creates its own, you know, way. It makes its own path. It's what has carved out, like, things like the Grand Canyon that wasn't there. It was carved out by water, you know. And so uh, it can be such a strong force 
just being itself and never changing, right. you know, what it exactly. is, you know. So, so that's a dope analogy. I like how it, uh, you know, how it works on so many different levels. Um, Elizabeth, there's a couple of questions that I always ask all of my guests. And uh, I'm going to ask you, I always enjoy the answers that I get from it. And the first is a kind of introspective. All if right. you had an opportunity to talk to young Liz Grambling, if you could get into a time machine and go back in time to say like nine-year-old, uh, Liz Grambling, uh, you knowing everything you know now, being through every being through everything you've been through, and you know garnering all the wisdom that you have, uh, what would that conversation be like? What would you say to her? It would start out by me telling myself to stop people pleasing, stop doing what everyone thinks that you're supposed to do, uh -huh. start living for yourself, because that wasn't something I learned until like recently. Because I'm, I'm used to being that people-pleasing person. It's like, okay, well, let me feed off this energy and kind of, like, you know, alter myself to fit whatever they need. No, that's not a cool thing to do because I limit myself every single time I do that. Mm. So little nine-year-old Liz would learn to not do that, not be that person. Because the moment that she decides to just thrive in her own beauty, that's the moment she becomes successful. That's the moment that she learns who she truly is. That's amazing. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's dope. It's dope, right? She, she's pretty awesome, right? I told you. Anyway, and so <laughs> the uh, the other question that I always ask is, and um, sometimes the answer is similar, and it may be, um, there is definitely a young lady out there who's um, trying to get into acting, modeling, music, anything, um, uh, who is trying to figure out the right steps to take, the right uh, things to do, the paths and things. What kind of advice do you give to young ladies who are trying to get to where you are and, you know, um, and thrive in, in the entertainment industry? I would definitely say to take second opinions. Don't go with the first offer that you have mm. because you learn your worth whenever you negotiate because mm. more people are willing to give you more if you say, well, there's another person out there who's, Said that they're gonna take care of me this way and like give me these opportunities but then this person starts pushing me like oh well we can also do this we can throw this your way we can help you this way we can just there's so much more out there than what people say I'll put it that way mm. people are willing to extend you a hand or they can give you a ladder from like five feet away are you gonna like take the ladder or are you gonna take their hand directly it's all what they're willing to give you and you have to learn to know your worth in those settings. So I would tell those people to just branch out a little bit. Learn what else there is. Like, learn all the things there is out there. And see who values your worth the way you value your worth. Right. That's, that's strong advice and, and, and sound <laughs> advice, definitely. Thank you so much. And, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's powerful. Uh, yeah, because uh, understanding your worth and knowing the power in it and uh, the um, leverage that it gives you uh, is a huge lesson that I think uh, most artists have to learn. And then when they do, like you said, it helps them really step into their, you know, their power and really come into their own. So, yeah, that's, that's amazing, man. Thank you so much for that. Um, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. You want to sing a little something for us? Um, I don't have anything prepared. Okay. And my guitar is a little out of tune right now. Okay. But okay. I will definitely okay. post something today if that makes you feel better. Right. Yeah. That that would be wonderful. I will definitely yeah. post something today just for you all. Oh well, thank awesome. you, thank you. I appreciate that <laughs> so much. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's dope. 
<laughs> you said what, Patrice? No, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you, Patrice. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I said I'm looking forward to checking it out. I think that's okay. Cool. Yeah, she has a lot of dope music on her pages too. Like follow her, I've been, you know, watching her stuff. And yeah, yeah, it's really good. It's really good. I know you're gonna get to that, Dave, but I'd like to know where to follow her. Yes, yes, that's the next thing I was gonna ask. If people want to follow you, if they're looking, you know, acting jobs, or just want to follow you, you know, uh, where can they find you on social media? Okay, so my Instagram is at EA Gramling. My Facebook account, just a normal one, is just Elizabeth Gramling. You can find me there. Mm-hmm. But I, I do post a little on both, my Instagram and Facebook. Okay. Good. Yeah. So all you agents out there or people who are looking for a great lead actress. And, um, oh, um, I know you've done a, a number of commercials and, and a few roles. Like, do you have a favorite, like a, a, a piece of work that you really look at and say, I nailed that one? Do you have one? <laughs> uh, definitely my Lowe's commercial. Okay. Because that one, it, it was difficult for me because they had me handling a lot of power equipment. Mm. And I was getting lessons in between takes on how to use it. Okay. And it, it was just a great time. It really was. <laughs> That's dope. That's dope. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that one. That's uh, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, it really looked like you knew what you was doing, too. I'm surprised to, say, to hear you say that you had to get lessons. They gave me such thorough lessons, I promise. It was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's dope. That's dope. And so, yeah, thank you so much for joining us and talking to us today. I really appreciate you coming through. I feel like um, you've definitely inspired some young actresses out there today to keep going and keep uh, chasing their dreams. Um, Yeah, so uh, this has been another episode of the Neighbors Livecast. On behalf of myself, Super Dave, uh, Patrice, Fruit Fit. Oh, Patrice, did you you have something else? No, I just wanted to say, you know, Liz, it was, uh, I don't know, I, was, I enjoyed this because you, you um, you know, anytime somebody kind of speaks to me, like you were kind of speaking to me and you didn't know it, so you inspired me a lot by, you know, you know, that whole out-of-the-box thing and, you know, not wanting to be in a box because you want to do your own thing, so you inspired me today, so thank you for that. And thank I wish you. you all, of your, all of your endeavors. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me. I literally learned so much from you all, and I have a lot of food for thought things to consider. Yeah, yeah. See, this is great energy, guys. I told you. But yeah, like I was saying, on behalf of myself, Fruitfit, uh, Jason, DC Native Son, and our wonderful guest, the beautiful and talented Elizabeth Grambling, thank you guys for checking us out. We'll be back next week with more conversation, more information, and more fun. Y'all have a great week. Take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Peace.